The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour, a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra, and my pronouns are she, hers, and we. I'm Safa Master, and my pronouns are him, his, and we. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers! Okay, what are we drinking today? We're having a chrysanthemum. We've had this cocktail before, but we've made it differently. Like so the this cr- is the second version. Yeah, chrysanthemum too. So this is technically a chrysanthemum is, it can be one-to-one on dry vermouth and benedictine. And then the absinthe is just an extra part. That's the key. However, this drink is supposed to be, the highlight of this drink is supposed to be the vermouth, which would be two to one, two vermouth to one Benedictine. However, that's not what I did because they offered an alternative of having some drink that is not as dry, but not too sweet, supposedly. Although I think Lillet Blanc is sweet. You know what I mean? So we'll see what this version tastes like, but basically it's two ounces of Lillet to an ounce of Benedictine, to half, a little under half an ounce of absinthe. And where's the vermouth? There is no vermouth in this version. That's the original chrysanthemum. This one, instead of the vermouth, we're using the Lillet. Oh, I see. Yeah. Got it. So, you know, it's an interesting way to try it. It, We used up our Lillet, which is probably good because that stuff is open for a long time and it's a little different, more on the wine base than it is to the liquor base. Yeah. So it's better to use it up. So we used it up. And we'll see what this tastes like. Yeah. It smells pleasant. Yeah. That's pretty balanced, actually. Actually, that's really good. It's a good drink. I got a gleek factor with mm-hmm. that one. That's actually a good drink. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I just made a new drink. I think that's good. I think that's a good version. That is a good version. It's balanced. There's a little <clears throat> sweet, but it doesn't last very it's long. It's not very, yeah, not a lingering sweetness. It's good, though. Mm-hmm. It's got a lovely flavor profile. I think the absence plays with the back end of the all the herbs and spices in Benedictine to give it that, I get that really great herbal ending. I'm just so enamored with Benedictine. I, am I had no idea how much I'd appreciate Benedictine. In fact, I remember when we first used it, you were like, well, we got Benedictine. I don't know how to use it. We're going to try this drink because it's got Benedictine in the name. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but actually we've gone through like bottles and bottles of it. It's amazing how it transforms uh, recipes. You can yeah. take any existing recipe and then play with Benedictine and it will always, always make the drink better. It seems like the capacity of the several hundred ingredients in Benedictine mm. always finds a way to uplift something in the 
it does. alcohol. Yeah, it's it really, really it's just it's, so interesting. It's excellent. You know, it's pure mixology. Like yeah. adding Benedictine is like a secret mixologist trick. What I like is the Lillet is not overpowering too. Not at all. So it's actually, I might even try this as a Chrysanthemum three, since we have done the Vermouth and we loved it. Uh-huh. But I think trying the Vermouth Blanc that isn't as dry, right? And it's in between the sweet and the dry instead and, of and the Lillet. Yeah, instead of Lillet, and just see, because the Blanc is one of those ones I'm always like, how can I use this? Because right. I want to use it, but there aren't that many recipes. There's a lot of punch recipes, but we sure. don't drink a lot of punch. So, and I think you can use it in sangrias really well. Sure. But yeah. might play with that. Yeah, absolutely. Good work on this one. The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Slub USA the world's strongest, most powerful male masturbator. Visit Slub USA at slub, S-L-U-B-B dash USA dot com. Today's conversation is brought to you by WeMinder, a behavior chart app for kinky couples like us. Learn more at WeMinder.app. Story of O. Yep. Chapter four. Yeah. Part one. So this is interesting. So the way this occurs to me is that O is completely inside of the context. I'm a slave. Yeah. Proud of it. You know, proud of owning it, it. Owning it. And the scene sort of opens up with her getting exposed to Jacqueline in the bathtub. And Jacqueline sees her chains. It's and astonished. Astonished. And then the marks. And she's astonished. And then O shows her the brands. And she's astonished. To the point that she's almost faint. She's almost she ran out the of the floor, room, too. Ran out of the room. But it leads to O seducing her in a very dominant way. Mm-hmm. I'm sucking my breasts. And she does so enough to give her pleasure. Mm-hmm. And then there's a conversation about how did this all happen? And so she tells her story to the best that she can recall. Mm-hmm. And it piques Jacqueline's interest about going to Rossi. Yeah, and going to Rossi, but she doesn't she, know what's in store for her. She them. doesn't really know what's in store for her. O discovers that she's been sleeping with Renee, mm-hmm. and she sort of puts her... She puts her on the spot and She just puts says, her on the spot, yeah. But she puts her jealousy aside, but internally she's like, okay, you're going to go to Rossi. Like she's basically made up her mind. Yeah. And the conversation goes on to describe the summer August time they're going to have in Cannes on in Sir Stephen's place mm-hmm. where Renee and Jacqueline and Sir Stephen and O are going and mm-hmm. Jacqueline's youngest sister has managed to get an invite as well. Mm-hmm. And there's a description about how O is going to seduce Jacqueline and behind Sir Stephen's wall he has like a visual you know access to the room through a, a lattice work behind a blind he's going to watch her be seduced and what O is thinking well at that point it's too late for Jacqueline she's gone she'll be like taken to Rossi and that'll be the end of that yeah well and she also taught you know is thinking ahead you're in her head a lot you know she's seducing Jacqueline who's compliant because she's got curiosity and she asks the questions like well I'd be willing to go and see but just to see but, you know, that's not what's going to happen at Rossi. No. It's also interesting that 
it's the first time that her interest in somebody else has been piqued when she sees the chains and the marks and stuff. It's the first time she's like, oh, that that's interesting. Yeah, because right? usually she's self-consumed. Very self-consumed. And, yeah. you know, so O is seeing the idea that Jacqueline going to Rossi will be enough of a distraction because of all the valets and all the whips and right. all the other things going on that Jacqueline will be taken care of. Yeah, she'll be to made learn to, to, to obey, right. right? And then she says, and then of course, she's kind of getting off in her head about how she can betray Jacqueline by deceiving her right. into this. I mentioned to you while I was reading that it's very much how Renee and Sir Stephen dealt with her. It was like a deception, betrayal mm-hmm. into getting her to do what she wants. So she's just following suit from her master, basically. Right. Well, the way I see it is she's. You know, she was enrolled in the experience of being a slave. Mm-hmm. And then with the branding and the chain, she was registered into that context. Mm-hmm. And now she's fully enrolled. So now she sees that as her context. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she would have to betray Jacqueline to get her to participate for her own good, right, in, mm-hmm. her, own, in her mind, right. doesn't bother her at all. She's no. actually pleased by the idea. Well, and then she talks about them, you know, they're going to spend a month in the summer on the Riviera right, uh, with Sir Stephen, Renee, Jacqueline, her sister, and O, and that she already knows, like, in my room, it's really cool because I have this, basically, it's, it isn't a one-way mirror, but it's like a one-way mirror situation right. where Sir Stephen can just open blinds on his side and yeah. completely see into the room as if he's standing right there, but right. yet you can't see the other way. Right. And O plans, already is planning to seduce Jacqueline and do all these things to her in front of Sir Stephen, you know, as a gift. Effectively. Yeah, really. Yeah. So that's the context that we start chapter four with. Yeah. Interesting. So, you know, if you think about chapters one through three, it begins with her trip to Rossi. Mm-hmm. She gets used and abused and raped and repeatedly raped and so forth. And then she comes back. And then Renee sort of interacts with her a little more and sort of, you know, takes her deeper into that seduction. They give her the ring. Then the next chapter, she's like getting with Sir Stephen and she's mm-hmm. becoming his whore, yeah. effectively. Yeah, Renee gave her to Right. Him. And then that progresses to where she gets her chains and her brands. And now she's like completely enrolled in the experience. Mm-hmm. And so she now looks at Jacqueline from a, a pedestal a little bit like she's oh, yeah. she's been elevated to slave oh yeah right in sir stephen's mind and in her own in mind. her own mind is what's right. most important she feels very proud of it so yeah. she thinks ill of jacqueline in the sense of her disdain and astonishment for her pride in what she has but in a very dominant way yeah you know uh she doesn't look at before earlier chapter parts she looked at jacqueline as this perfect woman yeah. The woman's woman, like the the ultimate diva, right? right? And that's not the impression I get of her thinking about Jacqueline now. She thinks yeah. of Jacqueline as a tool to get what she wants. Right. Somehow she thinks she's going to profit of Jacqueline's submission. Yeah. But I In the eyes of Sir Stephen. However, she's going to profit. Yeah. I mean, she specifically at the end of there, that part we read was really encouraged by him having access to see how she uses Jacqueline. Right. As a prospect. Right. She can't be confused about that. I think she knows that's what's happening. Yeah. You know. Right. 
I mean, look, I get that kink is very intoxicating. Oh, yeah. You know, you get that. Yeah, for sure. You know, like you can't go back to your previous vanilla experience of sex no. or of your own self-assessment. Mm-mm. Like you can't relate to that woman that no, you met no, four not years at ago. All. Yeah. Right? So you get like the complete sense of transformation that's taken place in O through this process. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you can relate a little bit to that urge to submit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it's not like none of this is surprising in that sense. Mm -mm. You know, some of the story around the edges is a little bit weird. Well, it's just not completely told or it's not completely explored. And so it's a little there's, fuzzy. There's missing parts. There's yeah. missing bits. There's weirdness around conversations around consent. Like mm-hmm. there are things that, you know, in today's space of kink and sexuality and sex positive relationships, like we have a different way of relating. Mm-hmm. But from the books we've read in the past and this story from the 1950s, where, you know, BDSM wasn't really a conversation yet. Right. The idea that those same feelings are occurring, you can relate to that. We always say this because it is the 1950s. And I think, oh, yes. But, you know, civilizations have gone through tons of kink. Oh, totally. And, and kink has been a fad and then it went out. Right. It's just that there might be a several hundred years where it hasn't been in the forefront. But, I mean, like, go back to Greek times. I mm-hmm. mean gee whiz, it, it was a madhouse, you know, free yeah. for all. Mm-hmm. And even in Asia, in Asian countries, just the Mandarin experience of the concubines and the, and the oh, yeah. ones that were serving him. And that's like an ultimate slavish, submissive mm-hmm. cultural mode. So, I mean, this isn't new, but what it is, is in the fifties, there has been this latent period of, you know, if you think probably up probably the 1800s to the 50, 1950s, somewhere in that range, there was a lull, if you will, of cultural or public kink. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, certainly public, but there have been, you know, even back in the 1700s, yeah. there was a brothel in London mm-hmm. that was for flagellation. It was for impact play. Yeah. And men used Under to the go, guise of religion. No, it wasn't in the guise of religion. This well, was just, flagellation. Well, th- there's that too. But but there was that. There was a, a prostitute who ran a brothel where powerful Real men came to get whipped. But think about it. What I just said. That's yeah. the 1700s. I'm yeah. saying there's a lull of 100 years well, or 150 it, years. It's maybe where, true. Yeah. Where it might have been more behind closed doors. Yeah, Possibly I, brothels during the Wild West time yeah. had these kinds of things. But again, there's time periods where it was out and people would be hush hush not talk about it, but they all knew it was there in the 50s i'm sure it was way more secluded like reduced in view however you know on a private level when we read gordon yeah it was very present it yeah. was very present so, i mean i get publicly it was below the radar but the point i'm making though is that the the public conversation about king bdsm mm-hmm. came later like that was the 60s 70s almost into the 80s oh yeah right so this has been written in the 50s where that conversation around kink that we have today with all of the variations around consent conversations and so mm-hmm. forth. Like none of that was happening back then. No. And so the challenges we have with this book in those conversations around consent relate to the time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But even though that relates to the time period, the experience that she's describing 
of the complete total submission mm-hmm. and the relatedness that O now has to herself as a sexual slave. Mm-hmm. That's something that's very consistent through time, mm-hmm. I think. And you experience it now. I do. Too. I mean, just like her getting out of the tub and feeling her chains yeah. and links rattle against the edge of the porcelain. And it's just a reminder to her. Yeah. You know, when, when we have my hard collar on or even my day collar, because that never comes off. I mean, I catch my image in the mirror right. and I'll be like, I feel good about it. I feel good yeah. about where I am in my life, where I've landed and what I'm up to. And that it's, you know, our little secret. It's our thing. It's, it's precious to us. Yeah. And yeah, I'm an exhibitionist, so I put myself out there. But I mean, those little moments I mean about what we're really doing in our dynamic on a daily basis, that's what matters. Yeah. Yeah. So That's it's very interesting. Very interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens because, you know, she's now accepted herself as a slave. Yes. And so now she feels confident in that. Now, how is that going to play out? Right. Well, I predict that Jacqueline's going to go to Rossi and she's going to be sidelined. That's what I predict. Yeah. And I think she's feeling herself right now, even though she's a submissive, she's feeling what I would call in a stereotypical way as an alpha submissive. Right. She's powerful in her own mind. Yeah. And and really, she's a switch. We know this, but they aren't using that language. But I would just say an alpha submissive. And she... I feel like she's going to get too big for her own britches. Oh, interesting. At the Based on the time, the 50s, and even just the DS dynamic that they've created here, that I also predict her power that she feels is going to be taken from her. The way she feels powerful, the way she executes her power as a submissive, I feel like somehow that's going to be taken from her, and it's going to break her. Interesting. Well, we have that to look forward to. Yeah. That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! Thank you.